Well, I'm I'm thinking that we just turn this into a, a podcast about space travel films. So, um, sir, what what did you say? Well, I I I mean, you know, I, no, sir, what? What? Well, hey, hello, Bra- hello? Brady. Hello, Brady. Hello, hello. We have a problem. Uh oh. No, just kidding. I, I totally heard you. Why? Why would we do that? Well, I you know between Lightyear, oh, <laughs> and then true. this, and then you know right. in a couple of weeks we got Thor: Love and Thunder. Oh, uh, that's true. You know we've also got um, yeah, Lord of the Rings is you know. <laughs> that's totally about aliens, ancient yeah. Middle Earth aliens. Yeah, the elves at one hundred percent. That's uh, <laughs> not that's not earthly. That's that's how they build uh, Mordor. Is the ancient aliens for sure? Or the aliens helped them for sure. It's like mm-hmm. the pyramids, oh, uh, Trump, Trump yeah. Tower, like oh. any of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, hard to wrap your head around structures. Those are, that's yeah. that's how that's done. Hello and welcome. Alien, aliens with orange heads. Yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome. <laughs> welcome to the Movie Men Podcast. I'm Peter. That is Brady, and we are so happy you joined us. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> what the hell are we doing? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we are we're doing something new that we've technically not done before. Uh, what's not new? You changed is this your underwear as well. <laughs> no, that's not what I was going to say. Oh, um, okay, <laughs> but good call to change it on the frequent on the frequent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, at uh, least once a month. <laughs> We're doing uh, an episode on a vote where we uh, posted a voting options for our listeners and followers to have their say on what happened. So that's not new. I was going to say, we've, new, we've done that before. <laughs> for literally years. It's kind of our MO. It <laughs> is our MO. But what's different is uh, this week we're going to do a combination. So uh, there were the four options. Two were pretty, pretty MIA. You know, each got, you know, now and then and leaving Las Vegas both got one, which is yeah disappointing just because leaving Las Vegas, I am so thirsty and curious about if it's merit. The mer- There's merit to Nick Cage getting his... Um, Oscar for so I'm curious now and then was uh, a Patreon suggestion a suggestion a friend of the show Emily who who heavily uh, suggested it so I, I was curious for both but they did not fare well but what did fare well and what had incredible voting power and that were close enough that we were just said there's obviously interest in both let's do both were Apollo 13 and Jumanji and so yeah so yeah, so we're, we're going to discuss both. It'll probably be a bit more on the heavily side of Apollo 13, but we are definitely yep. covering both today, and we will do them separately. Like, we won't go like, hey, give initial impressions, and then, you know, of one film, and then give the score of the other, then jump back to trivia. You know, we're going to, like, do one, then we'll do the other, and um, yeah. And so. heads up, don't get, you know, don't get all excited thinking, oh, moving forward, we're getting twice the review. No, no, no. no. It's no. one and done. It is a kind of a perfect storm just because uh, just in this circumstance, it's a bit less editing for you, but more so we're a bit of against a numbers crunch where we don't want to have like a million bonus episodes because we have something specific set for episode 200. And just for scheduling reasons, it just makes sense to make it all one episode. Yeah. Dune revisited. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, man. Know, we're going to do Dune. We're going to do Matrix. We're, we're, we're going to revisit Dune, the Matrix Resurrections, Cats, <laughs> um, you know, and we're just going to kind of Jurassic World Dominion or whatever oh, it's called. All Is of that those what it was called? Domination? Ja- Jurassic World Detox or I don't know. Detox, dysentery. <laughs> you make fun. Uh, most of those I agree with were crap. You poke fun at Dune. I have to be honest. I I am curious for the sequel, and I I think I'm going to make a point of seeing it in theaters because I do wonder when I think about Top Gun Maverick. You know, if I had seen Top Gun Maverick at home, a movie that was made for big screens, but you know loses a bit when you don't watch it in those ideal circumstances. I wonder if visually, aesthetically, I would get more if I had seen the first Dune in theaters, and I wonder if I need to give the second one a fair chance and do the same. But that's a side point. A side point. Yeah, I mean, I assume we're doing an episode on it. So. Oh, it's oh yeah. I think I think we have to. Yeah, yeah. But Apollo thirteen. Yes. Mm-hmm. A true ish story. Yeah, a true story of uh, conducted by uh, not the story. It's like the events itself, but the movie itself conducted by Ron Howard. Yeah, directed as well. Um, <laughs> That's what I meant. In fact, it wasn't conducted. The, the soundtrack, it's not well, I, not I scored by Ron Howard at all. In a musical sense, I just meant the orchestrator of of the film. Ah, so yeah. you're back to an orchestra. And that's oh, not, that was not Ron Howard's, he M-O. may have, he probably chose the, the person, but that's, you know, Who knows? Not, it's not yeah. how it worked. Um, uh, I, I do have trivia for this. Well, lay it on me, big boy. Ah, okay. Well, the first question. There will be two. And then I've just got a couple tidbits after, but two main questions. This film was the second time that John Travolta was offered a role as the main character, turned it down, and then Tom Hanks was given that role. So this was the second time, and I'll give you a couple choices. What was the first time? So was it Forrest Gump? Was it Sleepless in Seattle? Or was it Philadelphia that John Travolta was offered the role, said no thanks, and then they said, fine, we wanted Tom Hanks anyway? Okay. So here's the thing. Okay. It's not Forrest Gump. There's no way. Um Philadelphia and Sleepless in Seattle, I've not seen either. Oh, okay. And I know, aside from Tom Hanks being in them, Mm -hmm. I know next to nothing about them. (laughs) Does one of them have Meg Ryan? Is that? Uh, Sleepless in Seattle, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, So see, that's that, and that is like the extent of which I know. They could be comedies, (laughs) they could be musicals, they could be horror films. I don't don't think they're horror films, but- I, I I know nothing about either, but right. with them both being, I think they both have like a romantic element to them. Is that? Yeah, that's fair. Like they're both have main characters who are in partnerships or looking for partnerships to a degree. Right. So in my mind, it could be either one of those equally. Like I, I, I am, yeah. I am adamant about it not being Forrest Gump. <laughs> There's just, I, I don't know. There's no way. Like, 
you know, Forrest Gump may have been written for Tom Hanks. Like, I don't even, <laughs> I don't know, but it's like, it feels, you know. Um, I'm going to go with Philadelphia, and okay. I don't know why. Uh, just that's, you know, if I have to take a, it, it, I have a hunch. I have a an inexplainable, that's what my gut is saying to do, is to go with Philadelphia. And and I won't even feel bad if I get it wrong, because it was a total, like, I'm basing this off of nothing. <laughs> sure, sure. But so if I get Philadelphia- it right, if so I get Philadelphia- it right, I'm a damn wizard. Oh, of course. But, so yeah. Philadelphia? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> If it's the, if it's Forrest Gump, I'm quitting the podcast. It is Forrest Gump. Is it really? If you Google was John Travolta offered Forrest Gump, the first thing that pops up is an article titled The Real Reason John Travolta Turned Down the Role of Forrest Gump. You had me like I read this tidbit and you're what adamant a disgusting concept. You're adamant like it can't be John Travolta had me second guessing myself and I'm like, listen, I gotta check this on like a third source. Like what do you and, so you've got John Travolta like, you know, hey, you know, mama always said life was like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you know? My name's Cre- Forrest Gump. People call me Forrest Gump. That's, okay, Greece that's a terrible the, it's a Greece terrible the, John Travolta, but Grease is the word, yeah. Oh my god, that would have been so like arguably. I, uh, okay, so if you look at the career of Tom Hanks. Okay. Yep. I think agreeably we would both put Toy Story up there. Oh, well, of course. As yeah. it, like if we're looking at like the iconic mm-hmm. the the what are the career defining mm-hmm. roles? I, yep. We have to talk about Toy Story. Yep. Saving Private Ryan for sure is on that list. <sighs> it is. Yeah. I know you don't agree that it's amazing, but it was an iconic oh, role, no, I and think a lot of people liked it. Therefore, I think it's, it's good, important. but I think if you can only name four of his roles, is that... Because I'm, cause I'm thinking Toy Story. Yeah, okay. Big. You'd put Big ahead of... Well, hang on. Okay. Big. Just okay. like with the iconicness of like playing heart and soul on the, on the yeah, big piano. I'm not and disagreeing stuff with like you. That. I'm just saying that might be fifth or sixth for me, but I, I, I'll let you continue. I hear you. Castaway. True. Castaway should be there. Yep. Uh, 100%. And, and, and Forrest Gump. I'd and scroll so, you. So yeah, yeah. For the point so of I'm, this But argument, I'm just surprised, like, yeah, you know, that, yeah. like, you know, you look the, at John Travolta and he's like, what? He's... <laughs> Uh, he's in some movies where he dances, right? What's what's his big dancing movie? Okay, so something fever. The, so, oh, right. Okay, so he's he's in um, Greece, obviously, because we just uh, mentioned that. But yeah, he's in Saturday Night Fever, and I think there right. was a sequel to it. So yeah, th- there's those iconic yeah. movies. Yeah, he's the villain in the Punisher film, like the Thomas Jane. But that's not even. Yeah, he's he his. From certain perspectives or some people's opinions, he did kind of go through a dry spell. And what put him back on the map was old, like Forrest Gump was from 1994. What put him back on the map was also a 1994 film, Pulp Fiction, from uh, Quentin Tarantino. Ah, uh, yeah, oh yeah. So that Pulp and that's, Fiction. That's one of his iconic roles. So and then um, and then strangely, I would also say Hairspray. Hairspray. Oh, was I, see, like I haven't a, seen that. I haven't seen it. it I've seen bits and pieces, but he plays sure. like a larger woman in right. it with like a, yeah. you know, and, and I yeah. think it's, it's from what I understand, it's a beloved 
performance. Mm. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So anyways, all that aside, that is like one of those <laughs> castings where you say like, who else would you have had play Mrs. Doubtfire? <laughs> right. Like I can't even, right. there's no, yeah. there's no see, way to even yeah. fathom that. It's, it's an opportunity cost because if Tom Hanks isn't in Forrest Gump, that movie is less. And if John Travolta isn't in Pulp Fiction, I feel like that, that role is deteriorated as well. Just because they're both iconic roles. So the best thing happened for both parties, for sure. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. About what you just said. Sure. John Travolta in Forrest Gump. No way. No way. (laughs) Tom Hanks in Pulp Fiction? Hmm. It's hard to picture because it's it's, so iconic. However, if you had to... (laughs) If a oh. gun was put to your head wow. and you had to choose one. You are like you just you saying the phrase Tom Hanks in Pulp Fiction in that role, you like I'm gonna call you the Riddler from now on because you've got my head spinning. Right? Like I don't know. But but it could I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know. Anyways. Like I'm with you. It's got me thinking like there's absolutely every merit that he could do it, and I'm now just genuinely curious about it. Yeah. Yeah. Or Nick Cage in either role. <laughs> all right the second and last question who turned down an offer to star in apollo 13 as one of the three main characters like the three main astronauts who were um in the apollo who turned it down tom cruise brad pitt or bruce willis huh oh geez okay so it's 1995, although, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's like 1993, 1994 sure, when these sure. these decisions are being made. Yep. Makes sense. Um, I don't know where this falls in the Die Hard timeline. Ooh, I think, if I'm correctly, I think the third one came out in 95, to be honest. I think okay, so, I mean, that could York. be a reason, that could be a reason that that Bruce Willis would say, no, I've got, Mm. you know, yeah, you know, um, Brad Pitt. I just, for some reason, I can't see (laughs) mid nineties, Brad Pitt. Mm. I mean, he's again, he's like at this point, Brad Pitt is well known. Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. But I don't think he's at the point where, I don't think he's at the point in the mid nineties where Brad Pitt is like turning shit down. <laughs> right? Like I, I don't think he's like, oh, you did this, you know, major right. film <laughs> with all these other big stars. I'm just gonna sleep on this. Like I, I don't Yeah. Yeah, right. And then Tom Cruise. The only thing that would make me think it would be Tom Cruise is, is again, this whole, like, Tom mm. Cruise has to be the man in charge type thing. Mm. But, again, we're talking mid-90s, and I don't think that Tom Cruise is... Was there yet. There. Right, right. Because I think someone would have told Tom Cruise to suck it at that, <laughs> if Tom Cruise was like, you know, it's the mid-90s. He's not... Right. You know. Yeah. He'd be like, well, I want to be in charge. And they're like, okay, we're going to go get... John Travolta like we don't <laughs> we don't need you right um yeah. I'm gonna say 
see, but then the tricky thing about Bruce Willis is mm. prior to, because I know this, prior to um, the first Die Hard, mm. like, they had a hard time getting Bruce Willis cast in that film, in, oh. in Die Hard. Not because hmm. Bruce Willis didn't want to do it, but because the... the um, the producers and stuff were like, and the shareholders were, were shitting eggs because, <laughs> because they're like, okay, we, we need this like serious action film with this guy who's got sex appeal and swagger and toughness and manliness. And at this point, uh, like up until then, Bruce Willis is like a joke in Hollywood. He's, he's, mm. he's not a horrible actor, but he's, he's a comedic actor solely hmm. right hmm. and he's kind of like the doofy character a lot like he, he it was it was a hard sell for them um, oh, okay yeah just like like very similar to michael keaton doing something Christ. like batman with batman yeah right they're like mr mom you're gonna get mr mom <laughs> right to play batman um right so i i also just don't know that even after three diehards, although I know that like diehard blew up. So mm-hmm. like yeah. in terms of, I think they're all big stars in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You've got Tom Cruise is doing like Jerry Maguire and, and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Yep. Mission impossible, whatever. Um, Top gun. But I think at this point, the person who's experiencing the largest explosive career a career that's like thrust someone into the ability to do whatever they want is bruce willis Mm. oh man okay i don't think it's brad pitt okay i'm gonna say bruce willis okay with the feeling that i might be wrong and it's probably tom cruise yeah that's fair I follow I follow where your thought process was to get to that point, so that's fair. Okay. Yeah, and I'm probably wrong. And it's probably Brad Pitt. It was Brad Pitt who turned it down to star in the film uh, Seven, which came out in 1995. Oh, he made a mistake. Oh, hot I take mean, alert. Listen. Oh well, I think I think Apollo 13 is a better film than Seven. Um, I think they're very different. They're very different, for sure. But that's like saying, yeah. well, yeah, but that's like saying... <laughs> Sorry, that was not know, a hot ba- take. Back to the Future is a better film than Cats. Like, <laughs> you know, The Return right. of the King is a better film than Lost in Translation. And even you have to uh, admit to that. I will neither confirm nor deny. Oh, my God. The only thing The Return of the King is missing is Bill Murray. But... Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? I want to. Oh. Uh, so the other other factoids that I've got, um, the scenes with zero gravity or like the space scenes that they had to film, they used like a zero gravity plane where they, they go in the sky and then they descend quickly and it gives like 20 second spurts of gravity-lessness. And, uh, I wonder, because I know that's a thing. Yeah. And while I was watching this, I was like, man, for the mid 90s. Right. Right. Like nowadays you could do what you could do harnesses. You could do a lot of Mm -hmm. CGI stuff. You could do whatever. 100%. Um, And so the only thing I could think about was 
mm-hmm. was the zero gravity planes. But yeah. I was like, man, what a shit show to try to film. Like they 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 took six hundred and twelve dives to get fifty four minutes of footage. God, it's a lot and of work. People like I've because I've watched footage like YouTubers and stuff that have yeah. have done these things. Yeah, and like you. Like everyone's taking puke bags up with them for like, jeez, oh, for right. like only doing four or five dives. Like it's, jeez. You said a hundred and something. Uh, apparently six hundred and twelve. Six hundred and twelve dives. Yeah, in total. Now it would have been different actors, and maybe sometimes I can't remember. Stunt like maybe doubles there were and times, whatever. Yeah, like yeah, you don't have Tom Hanks' face, so it's just someone else in a spacesuit. Like a, I would assume. But still, even if Tom still, Hanks did it half the time, three hundred dives. Oh yeah. That's, you know, a lot. That's a lot. Um and the other thing uh so we we we've got the Titanic carryover with obviously Bill Paxton and James Horner who I will say orchestrated the soundtrack in both films and that is the proper use of orchestrated. Um we also have the Forrest Gump carryover and it was I didn't make this with connection. Gary? T- yeah. Till I made yeah. <laughs> Gary, yeah, Gary's Cine, I forget his name. Gary S. I, yeah, I can never ever. <laughs> yeah, I can I never say it. But he plays Lieutenant Dan Taylor, and in Forrest Gump, he states that the day Gump becomes a shrimp boat captain would be the day that Taylor becomes an astronaut. And one year later, this film came out as Apollo thirteen. So that's kind of a funny yeah. Cir- yeah. circumstance. Yeah, and that's it. For cool. trivia, yeah. Well, are you uh, you're ready to get foot loose on this thing? Oh yeah! You All right, better believe it. Uh, so, initial impressions. Listen, okay. I think this film is great. Like, not only do you have the star power of of Gary S. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Ed Harris. Right. I'd say right? prime Ed Harris. Prime Ed Harris. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, because like 90s Ed Harris is like top of his, because mm-hmm. you've got this, you've got... Um, the Rock. Oh, what's the... Yeah, yeah The Rock. Yeah, that's yep. the one. Um, yeah. The Truman like, Show. You got the, You have the Truman Show. Truman Show. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's... This, not only is this film, and these are all things we'll unpack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not only is it entertaining, even when they're just like floating around in the thing, and they're like everything gets pretty technical and and astrophysicsy, and you mm-hmm. as an average layman's oh, viewer sitting there yeah. going, "I have no idea what the <laughs> whoop anyone's talking about." It's yeah. still entertaining. You're still oh, like yeah. hanging on to every word. Sure. Um, visually there's one or two scenes that are a little like you know it like pulls out and it's mm-hmm. like approaching the earth and the compositing mm-hmm. is a little 1990s having yep. said that there's a lot of shots that for mid 90s oh yeah kick ass mm-hmm. and i'm looking at it going wow mm-hmm. i can't believe this is the mid 90s mm-hmm. um i'm a sucker for a true story and from what sure. i've read everyone agrees that this is pretty accurate 
Okay. You know, there okay. might be the odd, like maybe sure. Bill Paxton's character didn't actually rip the bag and they just <sighs> added that for dramatic, like, but whatever, right. right? For the most part, it's very, um, it's very accurate. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple a moments note, that make- it's a, it's a side note. His character in the film made a joke about getting the clap from Michael Keaton's character. <laughs> and that was based on it like he was actually sick michael keaton's not in this movie or take kevin it. bacon's <laughs> kevin bacon we were yeah, talking about okay. michael keaton uh he, he made a joke about getting the clap from him like using the same waste disposal like for peeing and the, the actual the true matter of it the actual person in real life actually was sick and it was a uti from oh, using the same like urinating yeah, waste see, disposal so, like thing. ridiculous level of detail like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple moments where I'm very stressed and tense during this film. Yeah, as you should be. There's some very heartwarming moments. Mm-hmm. And there's like one, there's one and a half moments. There's one moment that succeeded. And then one moment that made me come very close to tearing up. No way. Yeah. So all wow. in all, Apollo, I, I, it's Apollo 13. Right. Mm. Like it's, it's, how can you not like it? And maybe mm. I'm about to find out how you could not like it. But <laughs> my initial, my initial impression is there is a reason it's such an iconic film. Interesting. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I, for some reason, I need to get past this point. I've taken exception to you saying that it's better than seven. I feel like they're both quite similar as far as captivation level. And like, they're obviously completely different genres, completely different bags of teas. But I feel like they're both quite, I'd say they're on equal playing field as far as a movie that drew me to the edge of my seat, not knowing what was going to happen next and captivating me. So, okay. um, But which film has a better ending? uh, Which film ends more satisfyingly? That's actually a fair point, and if uh, the listener is unaware of what Brady is referring to, I specifically had a bone to pick with the creative decisions that were made with the end of Seven, so that's a you fair point. You took huge issue. Uh, you huge took huge issue. issue. The listener should go back to listen to the episode. It's a good episode, but I did have issue. I won't go in, into it because that would spoil the movie, uh, which, but that's a good which, point, Brady. I will... I will put Apollo 13 a slidge ahead, but I will get to my initial impression. Which, which film... Bon- Wait, mm. wait, 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 wait. Yeah, no, yeah, we're, tear- yeah. we're tearing down seven here. <laughs> no, which, no, 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 I won't go that far. I will not go that far. Which film stays more consistent in its its portrayal of the characters? Like, which film are you like, you know, okay, yeah, that all of these decisions make sense for that character. And everything <sighs> they set up has a follow through. I mean... I, I, I'm not even being difficult. I don't know the answer to that question. No, I don't okay. know if I could right. fully say that for Apollo 13. I'm not right. saying that's yeah, not right. the case. I just have not considered that. All right. Um, <laughs> but, okay, continue. <laughs> my, uh, my initial impressions, it's bonkers to me. I sometimes think about the context of the film when it came out. It's bonkers to me that this film, when it came out, was only about 25-ish years removed from the real events. So in reality, it's like we're separated from the film as the film was from the events. And there's just something symmetrical, something wild to me, just about the movement of time. That just blows my mind. But um, I think from a space viewing film, 
I, aside from it's a true story, just based on a space film, I think I prefer like a modern day or slightly futuristic aesthetic feel, like say with um, interstellar, like with modern space gear, not clunky stuff um, compared to like 1960s tech that was kind of clunky, kind of primitive comparatively. But I will say, holy Hannah, what a captivating film that is Apollo 13 that just sucked me in and an incredibly watchable film. Like once it got started, I was like, I want to proceed and keep going. Um, yeah. Characters are incredible. Um, the, 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 the dynamic of the story is incredible. It's just wild that like there, there were screenings of the movie at the time where people said, this is ridiculous. Like there's no way you can make a story about these people surviving. And, and Ron Howard and the team are like, no, like this is based on a true story. Like this is actually true. And, uh, yeah, just an incredible story. And they brought it to life in a really good way. My only little critique and, uh, I'll end this, my initial impression with it. I think it got, I got a little, not bored, but a little fatigued in the middle. And like a plane or like a rocket ship, I felt like the first third was like really exciting where the takeoff was exciting. The last third was also equally as exciting and the way they emotionally wrapped up the, 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 the film was, was excellent. Um, but just in the middle, I know a lot of it was probably historically accurate. Like, here's something that goes wrong. Here's something that goes wrong. But at, at a point, I wondered if they could have shifted through it a little bit faster or a little bit more seamlessly. Because I kind of got a little bit bogged down. But not to a point of disliking it for it ruining it to me. Just if I had a bone to pick, that would be it. Right. Can we Can we start by me countering your whole modern science fiction versus like 60s tech of course i think that the 60s tech is a what makes it it, like you can't have an accurate you can't have a, a true accurate factually true story with interstellar tech because a lot of it is is bullshit right a lot of it is fictitious <laughs> right. science fiction oh 100 percent uh, for me, not only is the 60s tech what makes it so real and so interesting because it's like a glimpse into a time gone past, mm-hmm. yep. but it's where all of the drama and all of the suspense comes in. We're talking mm. about situations where there are ships, right? Like, it, you know, and I don't know if this is factually true. I think it is. We're mm. like the first, you know, it, this wouldn't apply to Apollo 13, but like the first ship that we like sent up that left the Earth, Earth's atmosphere or, or whatever and like, you know, circumnavigated the planet or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Some Some iconic thing had less computing power than than <laughs> the calculator that is in most third grade's desk. Right. Right. And so right. like we're because we're dealing with the 60s. Mm. We're we're in a scenario where we are talking about less than 12 amps to work with. Mm. We're in a situation where we're talking about you know, a rescue in space is not feasible. Mm. We're talking about a situation where we are treading we are treading water in scenarios that we haven't even taken into consideration. We have no contingency mm. for this. Because right. 
we yep. just don't have enough fail safes. We haven't done mm. this enough times to to actually have any, you know, we don't know what to do because this has never come up and we didn't mm. think it would ever come up. Um, right. And so I don't know, like, and that's fine. Like, I'm not saying your perspective on it is wrong. I'm just saying it's oh, interesting course. to me that like the thing th- that for you was a bit of a drawback for me that that mm. ex- propelled this thing right. because I was like, you know, I'm looking at the computer's, these these long in that like command communication center right in Houston hmm. and there's like these long banks of computers right and i'm looking at these things going these things are probably 0.5% if not less powerful than the cell phone in my pocket at the moment <laughs> And they're responsible for... Yeah, life. Like, hand, hands down, mm-hmm. hands down, the cell phone in my pocket <laughs> is more powerful and more has more computing power than the entire spaceship mm-hmm. at this point. Hands mm-hmm. down. Hmm. By, by, by a magnitude of, of 10, probably. That's, like, that's insane. And it's a, but it's a mate. And to me, that's like, to me, that's amazing because it's like, you know, you get this thing when you get into science fiction stuff, you get into this modern stuff. It's like, oh, this has happened. Oh, well, fire up the beta gamma ray (laughs) proton, whatever it is. Right. Mm. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Crisis averted. You made up a a BS problem (laughs) and you averted it with a BS solution. Whereas this Mm. is like, they might as well be sending them up in a cardboard box Mm. and and what do you do when there's three guys trapped in a atmosphereless, oxygenless, gravityless cardboard box? Mm. Right. And and to me, that's that's where all of this. Hmm. That's where all of this is. You know, go, going yep. back to like our Jurassic Park thing. Right. Yep. Right. This is a bunch of guys lost in the jungle. Mm. When you get yep. into this modern stuff, it's like, oh, okay, it's a bunch of guys lost in the jungle, but they also have teleportations. <laughs> so, so whoop-de-doo, mm-hmm. right? Until one of their teleporters malfunctions, and then it's like, okay, well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this 1960s thing for me was like spot on. Hmm. It was like perfect in every way. I want to I counter your point with another counterpoint. That's actually more of an agreement than like an, an argument. And I think, because I, I hear what you're saying and that's a valid point. I think what typically historically, if I was watching a, a space film set in the 60s, a, a big problem with me is usually things get bogged down in focusing too much on the tech, which gets outdated. Which the, And if that's the only thing, then that can become bogged down. But what is strong about this, because it's also based on a true story, is the tech part of it isn't the focal point. It's part of the greater story. Part of the, the story of the you issue. that's not amazing isn't this computer. It's that this is a true story. These astronauts were stranded. And part of that story was this computer. And so I, what I will say that I watched this movie back in the 70s and friend of the show, Marshall will be proud. It was called Solaris. And I loved it. I adored it. And it was amazing because it didn't focus on space 
technology or space tropes that older films fall into the trap of falling into. It had a story that dealt with more phys- philosophically challenging things or questions that made me think and things that I walked away going, I don't know what I think about this, but I'm going to think about it more. And I will say, although I wasn't a fan of the 60s element in Apollo 13, as necessary as it is for what it's set in, and there's the points that you just made, the greater story that they focus on and some of the things that they made me think about and questions I'm going to ask you later on in Apollo 13 were were so powerful. So like, it wasn't as good as Solaris. But man, it was really good. And it the 60s tech didn't bog it down or make me think less of it. It just didn't help it. But I, here's, your points were valid. Here, here's the perfect example for me. Sure. Titanic set in 2022 <laughs> is a super boring movie. Right. Because either enough. A, they never hit that iceberg. <laughs> and B, if they do, it doesn't matter. Everybody lives because mm. there's either ships or hundreds of helicopters coming or like whatever it is mm. right they're not mm-hmm. they're not dealing with telegraphs and morse morse code right. and and all of this stuff it's like it's it's the technological limitations of the time <laughs> that adds the stress that adds the drama that adds the the this is mm. a real issue Maybe in my mind, I need to classify, I think you're right. Like, I think the technology used in the example that you're saying in Apollo 13 and used in Titanic is different than the cliche or the things that I don't like. And in my mind, I maybe need to differentiate the two. Because I see what you're saying, like, as narrative devices and as... Uh, coincidentally both parts of true stories they're quite different than say a sci-fi thing that doesn't age well so that's fair right yeah cool that's fair cool hmm all right thank you for listening (laughs) i have to admit i felt nervous watching tom hanks under the pressure he was in like just just Every this is just one example, but there were so many circumstances that these three individuals were doing, and like it's so much pressure to be in their circumstance, and it's a lot of pressure being at mission control. But the, at the end of the day, as much as mission control cared and as hard as they were working, at the end of the day, they didn't have the mortal pressure pressuring them. These three guys in there were working hard, and like it was their ass on the line, and so there was that sequence. And this is just one that I'm picking, but there were tons like this where I, I literally stopped the film for a second trying to capture the moment in my mind where Tom Hanks is doing mathematical calculations again all of the time where, you know, he had to do this by hand, by pencil, made a mistake, yeah. erased it, kind of updated it. And low just on the fact, sleep, low on oxygen. Low on everything, high on stress. And just this concept of in the heat of not just like a deadline, but like an impending mortal doom deadline. And just with like, hey, you've got 15 minutes to crunch these numbers, grab what you need, do this, do that. And like maybe a 10 second, hey, mission control, can you check my math? And just like that moment was like, I just, that pressure cooker of a situation is just hard to comprehend. And I know that's what they train for. And they're the best humans to be in that circumstance as best as you can prepare. But like that, that scene to me really, really resonated with me. I'm like, this is an insane situation. Yeah. There's uh, so many, yeah, there's so many moments that like 
just moments throughout this film, just just mm. little nuggets of of thought provoke thought provocation provoke prov- provoking. Yeah. What's what's what is thought what provoking is, moments? Yeah. Yeah, but what is the oh. what is the mm. version of provoking? How do you say that in a provoked? Uh, thought prov- yeah. provocation? I don't think that's a word. Provocation? No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, there are moments that provoke thoughts. Mm. Um, yes, you know, and 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 just get you thinking and and wondering, and and putting yourself in their headspace. And and one that mm. stands out for me is you know right when they're you know they're they're slingshotting themselves around the moon. So they're they're at the mm. moon at this point. Okay. And they're looking down at the spot where they were supposed to land. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the other two guys, <laughs> Fr- Fred and and whoever the other guy is, um, not yeah. Jim. Who? What's the? Hang on, I have it pulled up here. Yeah. Uh, Jack and Fred mm. are looking down at the at where they were supposed to land, mm. and they're. Their their determination, their their passion for landing on the moon, for walking on the mm. moon, is so powerful, and mm-hmm. and they're weighing the odds and, and and doing the calculations in their head. They're they're analyzing what a long shot getting home at this point seems. Hmm. And I can't remember they they say something, mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks looks at them and goes, "What's what's on your mind, fellas?" Mm-hmm. I'd like to go home. Mm-hmm. And you just realize in that moment, these two guys are like, it'll kill us, <laughs> but we could still do it. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's mm-hmm. and, and it's a quick moment and it's gone and we don't, we never circle back to it. We don't touch on it again, but it's just like one of those moments where you're like, I don't know, just, just, just the energy is so palpable mm-hmm. and so the, good. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. There there are two themes that really stuck out to me. The one I'll get to later, but the other I'm bringing up now just because it's uh, quite related. It is what you brought up. And just about the whole concept of failure and greatness and how they are separate but also intertwined and whatnot. And just there's there's that whole sequence that you're talking about and what led up to it. So there's like there's the moment where Tom Hanks, they're, they're orbiting the moon. And Tom Hanks like goes away from the window and he says, Hey, Kevin Bacon, that's how I'll refer to him as, do you want to come take a look? And and they're, you know, like, hey, don't you want to look too? And he's like, I've been here before. And maybe I'm reading into it, but I also thought like maybe this is a bit of a rubbing salt on the wound that he was coming close again, but he won't be going. And there was just something about that moment where it was like, Okay, I can totally I can totally understand as a human maybe some of the things he's feeling in that moment. And he himself fell into some of the daydream that the other man fell into where he's having the fantasy of the first step and running his fingers through through the I don't know if it's soil or moon dust but whatever the surface of the moon is and he has these fantasies and he's having these thoughts same as the other guys uh, but then he you're right he brings that back to focus and he rekindles their focus and says guys like I, I want to go home this is yeah. what this is what we got to do 
And just that theme of whole failure and greatness that was really embodied by Tom Hanks mainly. And it was throughout the whole film when he's like putting his thumb up against the moon and putting his thumb up against the earth and giving things perspective and looking at earth and his wife looking back. Like there, there was just something, like you said, palpable that you could feel. And that's one theme that was in this film. And one of the reasons that this movie just really transcended just a movie that was about a true event, a movie that was about, you know, space travel. It was just, it really brought a true human element to it. And I want to ask you, did this resonate to you at all? Or what would you do in this circumstance? Like, I don't know if I have the courage to ever go to space. I'm going to be honest. Like, in that circumstance, I mean, in the future, if it ever became feasible where it was safe, that's yeah. one thing. But, like, in the 60s where it was, like, kind of Russian roulette. And I totally get why he called it quits. Like, what else can you do in your career? But part of, like, would you, Brady, would part of it eat at you? Like, if you, you're one of the select few humans in that country that would could have the opportunity to go if you chose to go, would you be able to just say, hey, I'm cutting my bait. I came close to death once. That's it. Or would you say, I've got to go because even if I die, I'll think the rest of my life on this and it'll lead away at me. Like, what? how How would you handle that situation? Like, how, would you call it quits? Would you keep doing it? And I know it's so hard to do as a theoretical, but what, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't think it's hard. And I'll, I'm going to give you four answers. Sure. If I were Jim. And sorry, Jim is like Tom Hanks? Tom Hanks. Okay, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, I'm not. I, okay. No. Yep. Far too trauma, traumatic, <sighs> post, you know, <sighs> PSTD yeah. moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not going back. Okay. okay. Would I go, just as me, Brady, mm. would I go up to space in that time period? No. Is it far mm. too complicated, scary, risky, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yep. Would yep. I go up in the future when it's a cakewalk and you just, mm. you know, it's just like hopping on a plane. You just, you know, like mm-hmm. a passenger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Would mm. I go up today now? <laughs> and this is something I was actually thinking about. I was like, mm. man, like, cause every, everybody, everybody has that fantasy at some point. Everybody thinks mm-hmm. about, Oh, what would it be like to be in space? Yeah. I think so. Mm. I think so. I think I would. I think, mm. I'm the type of person that likes because look, I think I think people romanticize the idea of space travel, like mm. modern day going up into space. And it is. Yep. It's a lot of like, you know, they're like, "Oh, we're going to go up and float around or we're going to see this or we're going to see that." And they don't factor in like, okay, the the g-forces on your body and what the zero gravity can do mm. to your body and radiation exposure yeah radiation exposure and and how many days it takes to travel places or or months it can take you know years it can take to planets even in this film of just the moon not saying just the moon but it's not like a further rim four days four days like four days is unfathomable like we don't know anything about four days like i can get on a plane tomorrow and get to the other side of the earth and it'll take 24 hours it'll take time but like four days of isolation, like the, like it is just so yeah. nothing like we could ever experience. And I think, I think a lot of people don't think about that. I do think mm. about that stuff, and I think that that intrigues me more than it deters me. Sure. Um, I'm my personality is I like the idea of, you know, like I think it'd be fun. I would love to get two or three guys together 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> go to the and, moon. And go to the moon. Now, I'd love, I'd love to get two or three guys together, be dropped, you know, in the middle of the, like, you know, helicopter down into the middle of the forest, 10 kilometer walk in any direction to civilization and be like, mm-hmm. okay, you have a week to, <laughs> to survive. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. And, and and figure out and like build a shelter and do it. So I I'm intrigued by mm. physical challenges yep. and and mental endurance. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's Aaron who's going to be on the show shortly. Shortly. Not today, but you know, coming <laughs> He's up. He's right and, here, right know, now. Hey, any minute now. Um, <laughs> we had this idea for a YouTube video for the longest time, mm. and. I still, in the back of my head, think someday it's going to happen. Hmm. It won't, but it was. It was. You know, we had. Oh, we'd figured out so many things. Like, how did mm. we talk? I'd talk to doctors about it. I'd talk to like, you know, really, really doing our research and and mm. so on and so forth. And basically, what it was was we were going to go up. We we're going to live stream it and have videos <laughs> afterwards and and tech people and and all this blah 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 first aid. And it was three guys on three separate, so you, you find three trees that are sort of in a triangle, and you put like a level aircraft cable zip line mm. between the three. So there's three cables, mm-hmm. and all three guys go up on these cables, and it was <laughs> kind of the last one there wins. <laughs> And nowadays, I mean, you've got your Mr. Beasts on the internet. You've got like right. all these others. So it's like, it's less of a, this was like 10 years ago. So it's sure. it's less crazy now yeah. than it was then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it was every, and, and we, we were talking about it. And in our serious discussions, hmm. we were like, okay, we will call it quits at seven days. If we reach seven days, but I'm serious. Like we were talking to doctors about blood thinner injections to eliminate the risk of blood clots and like, <laughs> oh man, it was like, so, and that type of stuff like energizes me. <laughs> so I think the idea of all of the things about space, even just getting into space or going to the moon and walking on the moon and coming back or doing a spacewalk or whatever it is, mm-hmm. all of those things that are probably by the general public either a not considered or b considered and considered to be the miserable drawbacks Mm. to me that's part of the journey (laughs) and the training you would have to go through to be able to physically and mentally endure Mm. that yeah that excites me so there there are your four Mm. answers to brady in space that's uh, that's cool and the one thing i would hop on and uh jump on your coattails there is um philosophically i'm gonna ask rhetorically because i again we're not there in the future you know we don't know if in the future how soon it would be to travel to space um would would the shine be worn off like would we still want to go when it's affordable enough that you and i like regular joes can go will it have lost its shine will it be a special like it will will it be the same as like you and i going to south america where you know if we had gone in 1905 that's incredible that's unheard of it's a it's a jungle voyage it's like we are adventurers in the future if i can go to the moon and like i get a you know a a t-shirt and like there's mcdonald's cups on the ground from someone who's you know going there and you know people take their second 
trip there because you know the, it's a fun weekend away you know there there's just certain things that you kind of alluded to like the not that it's exclusive but just the the power and the the danger and the uh, you know how much effort is gone into it that makes it unique and nothing to sneeze at i wonder if it became more approachable or more equal that people could do it if it would lose some of its shine but that's who knows well, think- maybe someday we'll find out I think you swayed my answer mid-question because, <laughs> and you swayed it with like the the McDonald's cups and, mm. and what. If it becomes like a, a if the moon becomes a tourist attraction, mm-hmm. if if aesthetically and environmentally the moon changes and is no longer a desolate rock, then then that loses some shine. Mm-hmm. However, the ability to easily do it, the fact that anyone could do it, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think that kills the shine because like, listen, have mm. you, have you seen, have you, have you been to see like the Egyptian pyramids and, and no. the Sphinx and stuff like that? Right. But I would like to. But you could and mm, anybody true. could. And yeah. does the fact that anybody could make you want to do it less? No, it's, it's, sure. it's, it would still be this crazy, it's something you haven't experienced. Mm-hmm. And so it would still be super exciting to do it. Now, sure. I think it, it also depends on, like, if this is my fifth time doing it. Right. I imagine, just like the dinosaurs in Dra- the Jurassic franchise, it probably never gets old. Mm. You probably never get overseeing the Earth from space. Oh, I, yeah. Or the lunar sunrise, or the lunar sunrise that they described. Right, but there is probably a marginal decay in excitement, Mm. right? Where, like, that first time where it's not routine, Mm -hmm. and it's the unknown and the unexpected and the and and the whatever. Yeah. So even if even if you know, ten thousand people are going up (laughs) into space somewhere every day, Mm -hmm. right? Like. You know, if if something happens, you know, hypothetical, let's say 50 years from now, mm-hmm. you and I are still kicking. <laughs> we, we will be, don't say I that. I hope so. Mm-hmm. And Earth is is completely boned. But that's okay because we've figured out intergalactic travel, you know, black holes and whatever else. And there's like <laughs> Earth 2.0. And we're all going there. And it's like twice the size and blah, blah, blah. It's it's got lots of room. We mm-hmm. figured out a way to, you know, even though it's twice the size, that's okay because we've sorted out the gravity so mm-hmm. that it's not an issue or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. And everybody's going. We're all going. <laughs> that would still be just as exciting as if sure. only you were going. Yeah. In fact, for me, that would be more exciting because if only I'm going, that's there's an element of really scary in that. Whereas if if that you have that sort of herd comfort where if everyone's going, it's like okay, we're we're either all going or we're all dead. Sure. So, <laughs> right. You know. I, yeah. I think it's kind of like say going to Niagara Falls, uh, a landmark. If you go, if you were there a couple hundred years ago, three hundred years ago, four hundred years ago, and like you were the only person there that day taking in this majestic wonder, I think there's a different experience than if you go today where there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of tourists 
and it both would be breathtaking for different reasons, but would be very different experiences. Yeah, because 300 years ago, you're you're going, wow, this is really amazing. This is really majestic. Mm. But there's not, there's like no, there's not a wax museum in sight. There's no. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. You know, I can't, can't I can't gamble. buy a cigar anywhere. I can't yeah. gamble. I can't. I'm going like, home. What is, what is this shit? A, there's no. Another straw hat. There's no boat with chintzy little garbage bag ponchos. Like what is. <laughs> right. What is happening? Yeah. Which by the way, if you have not done that. If you've not done the boat that goes mm. to the bottom of the falls and does the, mm. you got to do that. I've done it. It is. It is oh, fun. my gosh. Because there's a moment like right at the apex of that trip mm. where you can do a 180 <laughs> and it's just falls. Right. It's just like an unfathomable, unfathomable <laughs> amount of water power. Yeah. And you're just like. <laughs> and you're soaked you're soaked right through like all the mist coming off of it is like you know you're, oh, yeah. you're drenched but it's amazing for sure yeah. anyways so if apollo you, 13 if you were tom cruise ah sorry if you're tom hanks a little bit of a difference yeah a little different would you have postponed going up like would you have postponed going up on a mission or would you have gone with the replacement and gone with the original crew Huh. I think I would have postponed. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. I think I would have I, been too anxious about last minute changes. And it like there's you can't think about things in circumstances like this, but there's the emotional aspect of knowing that like someone you've trained with that to a degree you care about, I'm not sure how close they were in real life, but someone that you know wants it as much as you having to say you're not coming would be tough, but you can't make decisions based on that. Just also just on familiarity with like, if you're a tight knit group and you can know what someone's tone of voice is before, even before they say what they're saying, you know, if it's something of concern or, or serious. So yeah, like there's, there's also reasons of like, maybe it makes sense to wait, but what here's a tough the thing. circumstance. Here's the thing. It turns out it's not Kevin Bacon's fault. Oh no. Oh no. Right? Not so at all. it's, it's because, so ultimately the right call was made because it's not Kevin Bacon's fault. No, of course. And without Gary S on the ground, mm. they're not making it back. That's the way it's Kev Ke Kevin Bacon's not hopping in that simulator and figuring out shit. Like he's not, <laughs> you never know. Oh no. The guy's a bumbling idiot. <laughs> so I have, I want, okay. I have questions for you. Sure. I want you to guess which I so I said earlier that one moment in this movie made me tear up and one oh. moment came close. I want you to see if you can guess what those two moments are. Okay. And assign them. Like which one succeeded and which one came close. I'm going to say I I'm, I'm guessing because of the subject matter, the one that came close was when Lieutenant Dang was told he was not coming on the mission and the no. one that made you cry was Lieutenant Dang showing up in ground control saying, boys, I figured it out. Let's walk through it together. No. No, neither. Uh, neither are correct. What no. was it? Uh, so the moment that comes close, honestly, is seeing Ed Harris tear up. Oh. Because there's just this, like, when that moment happens and he, like, sits down in his chair, and I could just, I just empathized with this, like, Mm. weight coming mm. off of him right 
this mass amount of stress that he's been under for the last four days. And like, man, I don't know. And he just like, he starts to tear up and, Mm -hmm. and I, I, you just, I just got in his headspace and I was like, Mm -hmm. man, what you must be feeling. (laughs) So that moment came close. That's interesting. Yeah. The moment that succeeded Hmm. was when, and I don't know if it was because I like somehow saw my own grandmother in this Mm. or what it was, but Mm. when they go to tell Jim's mother in the nursing home Mm. that there's been an accident Mm -hmm. and her response is to, to the granddaughter, because you can tell she's, She's fearful. She's upset. She's just gotten bad news about her son. Mm-hmm. But her motherly, her grandmotherly instincts kicked in, kick in. And she puts on the brave face that she knows she needs to put on, that all good mothers and grandmothers put on. Put on, yep. And she says, don't you worry, honey. If they could get a washing machine to fly, my gym could land it. <laughs> and I was oh, just man. a wreck. Oh, I was geez. like, because it was like, again, it was like I was in her headspace, right? Having, you know, having had a kid, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, you know, yes. the, the, what she must be thinking oh. about her child right yes. now. But, but, and then this like undying confidence in her child. Mm-hmm. And then her grandmotherly yeah. instincts to reassure her grandchild like i was mm. just like it was the perfect and whoever that woman is playing the grandmother she's mm-hmm. fantastic she is like yeah i was like it was so good yeah no that that moment that moment got me interesting it got me that's interesting and i get yeah. why with you drawing that back that's interesting yeah i did get yeah. a kick out of her saying like to neil armstrong and Lan- or buzz aldrin like have you guys been to space yeah, are you guys part of the moon program? The lunar <laughs> yeah. program? And and yeah, and and Neil Armstrong's reaction is just like, well, uh <laughs> you see. As a, as a matter of fact, yeah. yeah. No, mm. but we faked it in a, you know. <laughs> oh man. Whew. Yeah. Do you have anything else? I have one one more thing. I have literally nothing negative to say. I have one more sure. like just moment that is a standout for me sure well why don't i say and the only negative i already said was just it got a little bit long for me this is the last thing i have to say is the second theme that i thought really propelled this movie forward and i thought was good was just how they hit on it again and again and again mankind's shallow fascination that after and this is I'm assuming historically accurate, so it's, you know, it's not just a total artistic choice. It's maybe based on some truth, but it is artistic that Ron Howard decided to portray it. But just after this Neil Armstrong on the moon, the perception we get from the film is that society, that TV networks are kind of over the space program. Like it's, you know, it's, it's not worthy to be on TV even though it's still an incredible feat, like even today, even if we shouldn't take it for granted, but especially back then, like it's still incredible. And just this whole shallow fascination that the thing, it's not getting replaced with like the next newest, biggest, incredible thing, like some life-saving technology, some life-altering thing. It, it was literally like 
instead of watching this like take off and launch and the 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 update that Tom Hanks gives by via video, they were airing like the same talk shows or the same old boring baseball games. Like it was just it was not even that they like they were moving on to better things like what could be better. It was just like let's revert to our same old garbage that we watch every day compared to like a moon lunar mission and just this this whole fascination that was so brief and then moving on i i just something about that really what i thought was an interesting take to kind of emphasize uh in in this film just because what is like if that's not worthy of airtime what the heck is like <laughs> well and that's interesting oh. because it it touches on something that i was thinking about which is mm. like i i don't know so it's the 1960s and were it's the space race mm-hmm. and it's it's all of these things right it it's it's getting men onto the moon it's it's mastering space and that's literally what it is it because like mm. it's when you think about it, when you think about space travel, this extremely expensive. Oh, yeah. Extremely oh, dangerous. Yeah. Like, people are, you know, we're possibly going to lose these guys. And how many yes. times through history since then, unfortunately, have yeah. spacecrafts not even left our atmosphere before mm-hmm. exploding and everyone yeah. perishes? Mm-hmm. And at this time, and even when those things explode, we're not going to space to solve an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not Just, like, oh, yeah. you know, if we can get there and do this and discover that, we'll solve world hunger. We'll have world yep. peace. We're, yep. you know, there's, there's, it's the 1960s. There's no Elon Musk trying to get us all onto <laughs> Mars because we're killing our mm-hmm. planet. Like, mm-hmm. it's yeah. literally this expensive, dangerous, life costing thing hmm. simply for the sake of because we can. Mm because we want to know if we can. Yep. Because yep. we as the human race need to put a flag on everything we can put a flag on. <laughs> we need to master and conquer everything that we can master and conquer. Hmm. And and that was something that I kept thinking about throughout all of this. I like mm. you know, it's like people are dying, it's very expensive, it's very risky, it's 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 causing hmm. devastation. Yep. And there's really no solid reason for it. There's, hmm. there's nothing you can tell me that is m- going to make me go, this was a necessary risk. Hmm. And so, like, and I wonder which if is, the public is, got that. Which is, like, which is interesting because in this whole theme that I'm talking about with our shallow fascination that they depicted, the time that they then perceived that it was time to air it on TV and give it attention was when, oh, these pilots are in mortal danger. Like, it's looking like they're screwed. And so, again, because then there also, were stakes, and then were the, and so like again, maybe that maybe that just speaks to just the the concept of we we strive or we're more interested when there's something on the line, not not for the right. reason why, but just what is at stake. Yeah, because if they were like, like if if we're in danger, like it's not a matter of what will be accomplished by getting to the moon. It's just the stakes that interest us, and can we do it? And let like so let's push ourselves and right. Because if they were like, yeah. hey, we're about to land on the moon, and we're pretty sure we have evidence that there's life on the moon, and we're about to mm-hmm. prove it, then mm-hmm. everyone's tuning in because that's game changing. Right. 
and everyone tunes in for the first moon landing because that's game changing. Right. But if it's like, oh, we're just going to do something, we're going to attempt <laughs> to do something we we just did already. Right. right. Nobody cares. <laughs> and and right. and I think I would be, you know, I would if there was if they were televising a lunar landing today. Mm-hmm. I think I would watch it because I've never been. I've never had that opportunity. I can mm-hmm. see the old footage. Mm-hmm. Everyone can. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. For sure. For sure. But you can't, but I can't go back and experience that in person. Yep. Right. Or something we've never done. Like we haven't mm. actually put boots on Mars. Mm. Right. And so if yep. tomorrow there was someone on, you know, someone's landing on Mars, everyone is going to watch hmm. because we've yep. never done that. And there could be life, and and we're pretty sure there's like there isn't there ice on the caps of Mars? I like there's water so. there, yeah. I which think means so. there's atmosphere there, which means mm-hmm. there's you know. So like yep. that's all potentially game changing. Hmm. There are stakes that matters. Mm-hmm. But if they're launching us, like how how many times a day now do we launch satellites and right and right. people go up and swap shifts on the the international space station and and mm-hmm. what and nobody gives a shit nobody cares and no one cares yeah it's old news it like it's, it's not news. even and maybe it is publicized but not widely enough that it it's coming on my radar <laughs> right. i'd have to go looking for that yeah yeah right so i i don't know but hmm. um the one last thing that i was going to say that i do that like mm-hmm. really i was like oh this is so cool is this sure. again it's like 1960s and it's like okay here's a box of shit that they have with them <laughs> figure mm-hmm. it out right and just this yep. team of engineers going at it right mm. or even when gary s gets into the simulator and he's like i don't want to have anything that they don't have yeah yeah right he's like oh don't you want to take a break if they don't get a break i don't get a break Mm. and mm. like it just that whole I, I don't know so cool so cool mm. no I agree yeah. I agree do you have anything else to say about this movie no no I think that's it then scale of 0 to 10 sir how do you rate <laughs> Apollo 13 Apollo 13 I gave it on my scale of how much effort I want to put into it I don't think I need to see it in theaters, although maybe I would reevaluate if it was remastered in a way that the visuals were like incredible, like of modern day standards. But I would totally pay to like rent this or pay to get premium access to watch it sooner. Like if I had paid 30 bucks to have to watch this movie, I would have been okay with that because it was an interesting view and had me captivated and it has me chewing about different things and chatting about it with you. And like, it's just. I thought it was a really well-made movie. I don't know if I ever need to watch it again, or at least not for several years. Um, but that's not a knock on the film. I just, I just think it was, it was a fun ride. Uh, on a scale of zero to ten, I gave it a six. It's for me, it doesn't bump quite into the good category, but it's definitely above a five out of ten, and it's a strong six. Your scale's so interesting to me because you're like, I would pay thirty dollars to sit on my ass at home. And watch it, but I wouldn't pay fifteen <laughs> right. to travel to five blocks and see it in a theater. In my mind, the it's it's still the theaters is just the gold gold standard, I guess. I would like to microwave my popcorn as opposed to <laughs> yeah. have it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What do you give it out of ten? I give it an eight. 
8.5. I think... Fair. Yeah, this film's... Something I didn't say. This is my first time seeing it. Oh, okay, yeah. Same. I think I maybe had... Some parts I remembered, like the ending where like Tom Hanks yeah, is narrating. Yeah, I've, I've definitely seen clips. Yeah. I wasn't surprised when he said, Houston, we have a problem. Like, right, you know, no. Obviously. No. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was my first like sit down, watch the film. Um, yeah, 8.5, man. I think it's... I, I just think it's amazing. I think it was a, a marvel. Visually, I think it's a marvel for the time it mm. came out. Yep. And uh, it's entertaining. It's thrilling. Um, and I will definitely watch it again. Maybe soon. Cool. Maybe cool. soon. Okay. 8.5 right. seems reasonable because the amount of praise you're giving it, but also, you know, yeah. there are the vi- some, vi- it's not visually perfect, but I, I totally hear what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Jumanji. <laughs> Jumanji. Uh, how do you want to do this? Because what we're going to spend like 10, 15 minutes on this, right? Like it's just yeah. we're just going to kind of you know, yeah. So we'll, do, we'll we'll still do like initial impressions and then just yeah. chat about what we yeah, want yeah. to chat. It just won't be like forty five minutes of Jumanji. Yeah. So initial well, impressions. Initial impressions. I think that this is, you know, so visually, CGI wise, the film doesn't hold up. No. But I don't know that it had a huge budget. Like, even for, you know, for the the year that it came out. Like, it's a comedy, mm. right? So you're not... Mm, no. The vi- visuals aren't your priority. No, absolutely not. And you've you've spent the budget on Robin Williams. <laughs> um, I'm just I, looking... So in 1995, it had a budget of 65 mil. Right. I... You know what? I think that from a comedy standpoint i think that jumanji from a comedy standpoint from an entertaining standpoint from a unique at the time unique premise standpoint i think that the original jumanji is still one of the gold standards um oh okay yep like i think that it's it's fun it's entertaining it's it's this exciting premise, right? Like anything can come out of this board game. We have no idea what's going to come out. And the only way to end this is to keep playing, hmm. is to go right. deeper. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Hmm. Um, you have this really interesting character in Alan Parrish, right? The In the jungle, you must wait until the dice reads five or eight. Mm. And then they stop playing. Hmm. And it's been 30 years or something. <laughs> right. And so, like, you know, so that's interesting. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's got a great cast, right? Young Kirsten Dunst, Robin Williams, Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Whoever plays the boy. <laughs> yep. Right. Miss. <laughs> Mr. Ismay from the Titanic. Yeah. Oh, that is him. It is. He plays the father oh. and he plays uh, and Van the, Pelt. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. that is Mr. Ismay. Yeah. Yeah, with a slightly oh. different haircut and he's yeah. shaved off his mustache. but Kind of a pompous douche in both. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's... It's the movie's got some nice symmetry. The way that it 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 
sets things up with like um it, it just the the old version versus the new version right like when carl starts out he's like working in mm. the the in Paris shoes and then mm-hmm. he becomes a cop and there's you know like the what year is it i don't know it's just the visuals aside it's fun it's mysterious it's suspenseful it's hilarious at times um and it's i don't know it's 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 just a it's so many comedies these days lack substance hmm and i think that this film is full of substance hmm. and and so that propels it to me to one of the gold standards of 1990s comedies interesting interesting yeah what say you sir uh so my initial impressions i will say oh, man if I, I can't think of such a perfect casting for Robin Williams, where you want uh, a, a, the mentality of a child in a grown man's body, essentially. Like, this guy, you know, comes out and he hasn't matured. Like, he's matured in ways of surviving in the jungle, but in some ways, like, emotionally, he's just still that little boy. Yeah, and he's I, been he's been removed from society and education yeah, and everything. Yeah. And so, just like where he's running around the house looking for his mom and dad, you know, just like there were moments where I'm like, this is Robin Williams. Like we talked about the beginning, John Travolta, this, Tom Hanks, that, where some ways you can flip some things around. But I, I like, I can't picture another actor who would have nailed this part. I, I can't. Um, but my hot take is here. Generally, I found this film, I've seen it before as an adult, and then I've seen it this time to review it. I found it quite mundane and flat. I felt that the the tempo was slow, and I feel like the two remakes for me are just quite preferable. They're quite more, I would rather rewatch them. And... (laughs) <laughs> there were there were just some hokey bits for me in this that I like the whole Peter is a monkey for twenty minutes. I'm like, uh I I don't need this. And just generally I think it comes down to the newer ones have more recognizable talent that I appreciate. So when you have more people collectively, I think there's more cumulative talent to absorb and appreciate in the newer ones. Like you've got The Rock, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, Karen Gillan. In the new one, or in the old one, the original one, yes, Robin Williams is excellent. Yes, Bonnie Hunt is great. Child Kirsten Dunst is a good child actor, but she isn't like bringing excellent tempo or excellent something that I crave. Like I don't appreciate no. her as an actor until she's a bit older in, in movies that I like more. So I just think the newer ones, like the chemistry, I love more. And with this 1995 one, you know, the opening 20 minutes are stellar. The, the last 10 minutes for sure are like incredible. And I say those, the opening and closing are at saving grace. But that middle portion, I found like I got a little hokeyed out. I got a little bit, I, you know, I was over it. And um, I, I think my opinion on it has changed going, I don't, I don't think I ever need to watch this again. I, I don't, I won't say it's not a gold standard of comedy, but it's not a gold standard for me. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think I've said everything that I need to say about it. Well, I want to ask you some things. And both Sure. Just a comment first. It was cringeworthy. Like, it's not funny just of world events, but when that hunter goes to the gun store and they give him, like, the paperwork to get a gun and then, like, they, like avoid some gun regulations and like they give him a gun right away and i kind of like i literally winced i'm like 
Oof. Yeah. I, but I think there's a hilarious moment in there, though. Oh, When the guy sure. selling Which him part? the gun says, you don't work for the post service, do you? Oh, my gosh. That is just... <laughs> It's funny, but it's also like again, it's cringy. But it's cringy. yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, um, you know, my biggest a question you just raised actually before I get in to, in the closing, we have the whole reimagined reality where um, the children kind of get to grow up and do what they want to do, and they become married, and they're able to save Kristen Dunst's parents, and etc., and so on and so forth. Do they save, like, Carl, is it Carl or Clint, or what's the cop's name? Carl. Do we get, did I just miss this, or did it not happen? Was there anything alluded to that, like, in the closing, like, was anyone wearing sneakers, or was it alluded that, like, his big breakthrough actually did happen, and it saved the town? Did I just miss that, or did that not happen? I, it could be there, but not that, not that I'm I mean, able to that, confirm. Doesn't that need to be part of like what happens as far as undoing mistakes and undoing wrongs and setting right what was needing to be done? Like I, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I know maybe. it's not as emotionally significant as saving those children's parents, but it's still emotionally significant of this guy having this dream and believing in his passion, and then some snot-nosed kid ruining it. Yeah, but I mean, maybe it was a shit shoe. Like maybe. <laughs> Some things are just not meant to be, you know? I think, I guess, but like, I, I they they beat Air Jordans and it was going to be Wilt Chamberlain's, but whatever. Uh, whatever. Yeah. I'll move on. I'll move on. Um, One more nitpicky thing and then I'll just get into it. What the heck is with this whole child bully situation? And I know the father said, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was like a whole clan of kids. I thought it was just the one and I told you to stand up and it ended up being like a whole group that, that bullied you. So I don't have as much problem with the father, but I just don't get this whole bullying situation where there are like adults in ear distance. Like there's construction workers that are like within shouting distance, just letting this group of kids gang beat young Robin Williams. I got, I, I mean, people anyone. are assholes. I think honestly, <laughs> like, right. you know, I don't know. And, and, and I don't know, especially, I mean, things are different in every country. Things are different in every state, province, mm -hmm. town, city, yep. what have you. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think maybe you give people too much credit mm. to assume that even today, mm. if a kid was getting bullied, that everyone would jump in and, you know. Yeah. Fair. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's not a given. That's fair. Um, I think in a nutshell, my whole disappointment with Jumanji, I think there are kids' movies that are good, and then there are some kids' movies that are hokey, and I think just this is a little too slapstick and, and kind of corny for me, and that, I might be eating crow or, you know, putting my foot in my mouth, because... I'd have to rewatch the new ones, and that may be the circumstance. I realize they're just action movies with The Rock, and they're silly. But something about them in my memory wasn't this same degree of disappointment. Like, get, hear me out here. Like, the first 20 minutes I love, because I get this national treasure vibe. And I'm not 
saying, you know, it's hard. Using that as an example sets it up for failure. But you get this kind of cool mystique of like this game and like hundreds of years old. And, you know, you get some backstory of these guys that are like nervous and they're like, get rid of this thing. It's cursed us. We're not having this again. Or in the last 10 minutes where it's washed up to the beach and you have this curse going on. So like there's elements like that where it's like I'm interested in this kind of plot and this kind of children's story. And if we had gone in a different direction versus like sequences where we've got monkeys shooting shotguns in the police car, monkeys throwing, you know, going Hobbit style, like throwing plates around and just being kind of like, you know, there was, I think, too much time spent in like the action-y, you know, stuff that I kind of just kind of got bored in it. And I I just thought it could have been very more, have like a mystique around it and more adventure Like I think with the reason I like the new ones, it's it's not set in department stores with monkeys doing stupid crap. It's set in the jungle where it's like again, welcome to the jungle. Like you, we might die because of just like uh, high stakes, high intensity things, and you know, like just again, it's not just so much corny. It's like an adva- It's a true adventure for me, and maybe that's it. Maybe this film just doesn't feel like an adventure film to me, and it just feels like too much of a you know a children's story that has a great cast of robin williams doing what only he could do and then outside of that it just kind of gets a little weak i think that's mainly it i think it could have been an incredible adventure story yeah and and, it's not and i think that's that completely just comes down to matter of taste because that's why i prefer the first one sure because i'm like part of the lure part of the excitement of this um Mm. and even something they kind of a flavor that's still kind of there in Zathora mm-hmm. is that it's it's our world that's being changed. And mm. so there's sort of that like interesting tangibility, right? That relatability yep. as opposed to being in this world where you're not even sure what the rules of the world are, like physics mm-hmm. are different. And whereas it's in in the first Jumanji, it's like, okay, no, this is our world. And crazy stuff is coming into it mm. so yeah. and that's and that's just you know teach their own yeah no that's fair and i agree with everything that i've said that's totally comes down to personal perspective and you know i i, I guess i can't critique the film though you know the, the critiques of the film are you know certain cgi elements and certain things but we just gave a good review to apollo 13 and it had some of the same issues of just having dated animations and dated graphics and visuals so yeah Cool. Think it Are you ready to, to rank taste. it, sir? I am. I am. Zero to ten for Jumanji. Okay, so for Jumanji, let me walk through this with you. It's going to sound bad, but I, it's not completely bad. So I would not need to see it in theaters. Don't need to pay premium access. I don't, I don't think I'll ever feel the need to ever just say, hey, I have, I have this streaming site anyway. Let's watch it tonight. But if I was at a cottage and it was raining and there was no Wi-Fi and there was a VHS of it, I usually say this in a derogatory way, just because that means it's in the bottom of the barrel, like I have no interest in watching it. But I think if there was a VHS of Jumanji, and it was the right, you know, time, and you know, there was no Wi-Fi and all those things I described, I think I would get a bit of a kick out of it, just saying, maybe for the reasons that you just outlined, it's the gold standard, it's 90s, it has some corny elements, Robin Williams is excellent in it. So I would, under those circumstances, I would maybe watch it. And so, it's kind of a slight, but it's not really meant as a slight. There's There would be a finite moment where I would maybe be open to watching it. 
out of 10, I gave it a four. It's not horrible. It's not awful. It doesn't make me scratch my eyes out or anything, but it is below the midway point and it's a four. And that's what I gave it. Cool. What about you? 6.8. Respectable. Yeah. For what it is. For what it is. It's not perfect. It's not amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's, everyone should see it once, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I got some news for you, sir, before we go any further. Yeah. And I'm going to start off with the one that we've been revisiting over and over. Mm. Probably the one you're most interested in. Mm. Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Oh, baby. Has now crossed a billion dollars worldwide. Oh, baby. And it is sitting at the 49th slot. Oh, yeah. So as we... As we continue to see, you don't think it's impossible that it cracks the top 10. I don't think it's impossible at all. No. So we'll see. I'm still, yeah. I'm a highly skeptical. I I think I, of the I, two I, of I, us, you understand movie business a bit more. So like, I think you have the more educated guess. I'm more just saying, I don't think it's impossible. I'm not saying it's likely, but I don't think it's impossible. If it were over under 10% that it will reach the top 10 i would take Mm -hmm. the under sure yeah i would take the under yep over under five i might be can i might be swayed to take the over on five sure sure but definitely the under on 10 so Mm -hmm. we will continue to watch that and see so excited how that goes unfolds um so netflix has confirmed ad tiers that there's going to be different you know that essentially you'll be able to get a cheaper package on netflix Mm. and there will be ads Mm -hmm. how do you feel about ads would you save a couple of bucks a month to have have your shows and movies interrupted by ads i don't know i think i when you mentioned it i was immediately saying i think i would but obviously I think about say YouTube where you know I am a cheapo I do not pay for premium so that means sometimes it feels like there's 72 ads before my 30 second video of how to undrain my sink or unclog my sink and so you know it is incredibly annoying there are some free streaming sites like say uh, where we live there's like a, a Canadian television network where you can watch certain movies for free and using their app and that just means that there's commercials at different point points interjected in so I guess my long-winded point is I'm definitely considering it but also that is a bit of a pain so maybe they've got me hooked cool what about you do you think you'd bite no okay. no to me it's to yep. me it's worth it fair yeah yeah no, that's fair. not happening not happening. <laughs> um, Christian Bale mm. has said, if approached, he would play Batman again. Did you? I'm listening. Have you, have I'm, you I'm, passed I'm, out? I mean, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm open to this. I'm open to this. Yeah, I mean, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Right, newsflash: actor would take huge paying role in billion dollar right. franchise, right? Yeah, like exactly. Like I mean, but interesting that like I don't I don't see there being 
I see there being a want for it because, mm. but I, but I think it comes from toxic fandom, right? People mm. who are still like, oh, he was the best one. You have to bring him back. You have to, you know, just scrap all this new stuff and continue <laughs> the. Uh, do you are we in a place where we need that? Do we need Christian Bale back mm-hmm. as Batman? Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to think of a circumstance of how you do it, just because other than doing a rinse cycle repeat of what they did in uh you know the recent mcu of bringing previous characters back or previous renditions of characters back and it, it won't, like that's all i can think of is just things like that and at some point that whole plot narrative gets a bit old so i you know i i like christian bale you know me but i can't think of a circumstance where it makes sense or where i need to contrive something where it happens no i agree i agree um so we have a release date for the sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm. And it is the Christmas season of next okay. year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not far off. Not really. That's true. Because the one came out in fall of 21. So. Yeah. So it'll yeah. put it just over two years yeah. away from. Yeah. From, you know, I'm super excited for it. I know sure. you're not, not not excited for it, but maybe a little I'll more s- lukewarm. Yeah, I will definitely see it. Like I'm intrigued, and depending on the casting decisions, like of what's carried over and what's new, I, I'm definitely like very intrigued. Cool. John Williams has hinted at retirement after Indiana Jones Five. Oh, which we will have to review. I'm just saying that now. The man is well into his nineties. I so I don't think times, anyone can say that he hasn't earned retirement at this point. So, so many times when I was, we were talking about Jumanji, I almost said John Williams instead of Robin Williams. And I'm just picturing John Williams in like a, like a loin and like leaves and running around. But yeah, a guy right, in his have 90s. Have fun picturing that. <laughs> a guy in his 90s. Iconic. Like, it's just, it's so easy to th- forget how iconic his soundtracks are. It's just silly. It's stupid, really. Like Star Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Home Alone, um, Jurassic uh, Park, Jaws, Jurassic Park, Jaws, like, Superman, Superman. Like just so many silly things where you go, oh, who did Harry the soundtrack? Potter. Harry Potter. You look I up mean, who did the soundtrack, and it's like, oh, of course it's John Williams. There you go. Yeah. No, he's uh, uh, okay. It doesn't get much better. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. You know, I, I let the man do what he wants. He's 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 deserves a bit of retirement and a bit of relaxation after his incredible career. Yeah. Here's a bit of a spoiler for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but not really because, sure. like, I know you haven't seen it, mm-hmm. which you, you should get on because it's on Disney Plus now. So <laughs> right. Go right, watch right. it. Uh, but this is, I mean, if you even have an internet connection, you know that this... <laughs> You know this spoiler. So in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Mm -hmm. we did get, in an alternate universe, we got John Krasinski as Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic from the Fantastic Four. Yep. Which has been a a fan casting, and everyone wants Emily Blunt to play his wife, Sue Storm. Mm. Um, But it's been a fan casting forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Mm. Since before cinema. Mm-hmm. And the director of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness just did an interview 
<laughs> which makes it seem like maybe John Krasinski is not going to be oh. our main universe MCU Mr. Fantastic. Oh. He said something to the effect of, I think Kevin Feige casted John Krasinski as Reed Richards because the fans were so adamant about it. Mm. And it was an alternate universe, so why right. not make that dream come true? Hmm. That definitely leaves it open to, yeah, it was just the alternate universe and the one that will see the 616 or whatever you'd call it will be someone else. Yeah. So that's, huh. it's a little sad for me if it turns out, because he, he was fantastic, <laughs> pardon mm. the pun, in <laughs> it. Uh and I, too, I love John Krasinski. I think he of would course. be an excellent choice. However, you have to just, like, you know, and people are going to be mad, and people are already, well, if I if they don't do that, I'm not going to see Fantastic. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> You're right. Then don't go see it. Then you don't, don't deserve see to it. see it. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. You know, just wait and see what they do. It's the MCU. Their mm. casting has been spot on time mm. and time again. Yeah. So just wait. Just but I will be, be a little sad. I will be a little sad. Of course. Of but I'm course. sure whatever they give us will be great. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Comic-Con is coming up. Hmm. And the Comic-Con schedules, the, the different studios' panels, and the itinerary, what they're going to talk about, what they're going to show, what kind of panels they're going to have with, with stars and interviews and stuff like that, has been released and announced. Hmm. And left out of DC's panel <laughs> mm -hmm. is the Flash movie. <laughs> and we don't know what that means, but what it likely <laughs> means is DC still isn't sure what the hell they're going to do about right? this film. Or they do know what they're going to do, and it's now going to be so, so delayed because they're going to reshoot it, all of Ezra's scenes right. that they're like, well, we're not ready to show you anything. We don't actually have... You know, we, we can't do a Flash movie and not have the Flash actor there because we don't know. Or or they are just going to release it the way it is, and they're like, well, but we're not going to have a panel. We're not going to do the Flash movie without the Flash actor on the panel, and we're sure as shit not going to have Ezra Miller on the <laughs> panel. So I don't yeah. It doesn't give us any definitive. No. Um, but it is an interesting ingredient in the broth that has become <laughs> all of the hysteria around the Flash. Broth is one way to, one thing to call it. Broth. Uh, two more things. Sure. As we know, Deadpool 3 is somewhere in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. And some recent comments made recently, which makes some recent comments. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was like, those some recent comments from 1904. Has given some credibility Recent comments made by Hugh Jackman oh. have given credibility to the idea that he may return as Wolverine in Deadpool 3. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. How would you feel about seeing Hugh Jackman don the claws at least one more time? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I haven't seen all the Wolverines, so I don't think it would have the same meaning to you or other people like you. But seeing in in that kind of context of a film, I think would be entertaining. Oh yeah. Well, like, and I mean, yeah. So 
Yeah. I, I want it so bad. Even though <laughs> Logan was like the perfect ending. Mm, right. Have you seen Logan? You've seen I've Logan. I've heard it's incredible. It's on my to-do. Oh. Maybe we're going to do the X-Men <laughs> at some point. After we do Mission Impossible, maybe we should do the X-Men. Maybe. I mean, I'm maybe. intrigued. I don't know if I'm ready to like sit down and do them all. I don't know if I'm that intrigued. Right. Yeah, but we did James Bond, so you can't. We suffered through know. I, 80 Roger Moore films. We're so removed from that 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 was more fun than than pain. I think the growing pains are done and we've got yeah. the baby. Uh, finally, speaking of James Bond, <laughs> the next James Bond officially mm-hmm. will be a re- reinvention of the character. Okay. And is at least three years off. Oh, uh, okay. So take that, you know. Mm-hmm. Which which means we have to do this podcast for at least three more years. Right. That's what our podcast is based on. Yeah. Is, yeah. Working towards that. What did you watch this week, sir? Uh, I don't think I have anything to add. It was a combination of a busy week, but also uh, I've got a couple things that I will talk about the next time we talk. One of them, like I haven't finished the film. The other I finished, but I, I have this thing where if I haven't graded it and like thought about my grading, I don't consider it watched. So I'm not ready to say I've watched it yet. So nothing this week and i will pass it back to you what did you watch um nothing with the exception of uh i've been getting back into because it's on disney plus now mm. uh i have been re-watching eight simple rules oh such no like way. A, a throwback to my childhood so sure super exciting yep super exciting wrap mm. it up sir um well thank you so much for listening thank you for joining us uh thank you for voting if you did um and we'd encourage you to vote uh if you uh didn't this time or if you did again vote again uh like follow subscribe on facebook instagram twitter uh check us out give us a like and a comment wherever you see fit give us a good review and uh check out our patreon page merchandise page the links are below it's a way for you to help support the show and help us pay the bills and uh we'll give a shout out to our uh super patreon supporters most of whom voted in this current or most recent vote but we got marshall we got adam we got andrew we've got brenna uh we've got daphne and we've got oh man my brain is i think that's all of them i think that's everyone oh no i'm paranoid did i forget one i think that's everyone now i'm Uh, gonna be up all night i'm gonna be up all night or you could just check afterwards and I'll check afterwards. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you. And in the famous words of pretty much no one ever. <laughs> what? I don't know. I mean, you know. You end <laughs> almost two hundred episodes. You gotta you gotta, I don't know. Brady, we have a problem. <sighs> I know.